Hi there, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching, and we are going to cover the experience you might be having with your sensitive child or a teen who is holding it all in at school, maybe even be considered a perfect angel, and then blowing up or imploding at home. So make sure that you stick around to today's show. If you are wondering whether or not you have a major issue on your hands, if your child can quote unquote, perform well at school. Hello, and welcome to how to parent your highly sensitive child like a ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Here at MTC, we know how to help parents of highly sensitive kids and teens break out of the daily meltdown shutdown cycle in as little as eight weeks. We've been doing this for years. We've helped hundreds of families do that. And so we're here to share with you what you need to do to, to be able to highlight this issue, to notice today what your priorities need to be if your child is uh, doing well in school uh, or fine in school and then just holding it all in and exploding at home. Uh, so we're going to cover the priorities and, and where your challenges are. Make sure, let's make sure that I'm, I'm uh, describing the problem specifically for you to know that this is the case for your family uh, to get started. Okay. So First things first, we hear from parents often uh, who are stuck in this meltdown cycle is that uh, their child can can do just fine at school. Your child might be able to uh, demonstrate work performance, might have good grades, might be able to um, sit at the desk and pay attention, uh, might be considered a teacher's pet or a role model in the school setting. And yet when your child comes home, all heck breaks loose, right? You might even say things like, my child presents as Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, The the teachers who um, are teaching my child would be incredibly surprised if I described to them the emotional challenges we're having at school. And we see this for parents of sensitive kids ages four and up, okay? So let's make sure that, that we're clear here. This has nothing to do with your child's age. This is a symptom of the meltdown cycle, no matter what age your child is uh, is at. So if your child is having daily meltdowns and they are four or older, then this is a significant problem. It is not developmentally appropriate for children over the age of four to be having meltdowns at all. And then it is not developmentally appropriate for highly sensitive kids or non-sensitive kids to be having daily meltdowns, right? So even under the age of four, your child should uh, be able to feel emotionally regulated and calm uh, to the point where a daily meltdown, they're still feeling very much out of control. And we would be assessing how long those meltdowns last, uh, how intense they are, how aggressive they are in those meltdowns. And, 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 and that would be something that our team would be assessing if we were to work with you. 
uh, to determine whether or not your child's behavior is still in the developmentally appropriate range. Think about it. When you're four, your emotional uh, capacity is starting to, to notice what you can control, what you can't control, and your brain is still trying to regulate emotions and feel in control of them. And that means that your body might be uh, last to develop in terms of its physical capacity to be in control. And it's also true that being out of control on a daily basis is very, very scary for any human being. Uh, let alone, of course, a child, a child who has been out of control on a daily basis for multiple years of their life, uh, lives in a state of fear, lives in a state of, of um, disarray. And so this is traumatic to the child. And so for you as a parent, you might think, well, you know, my kid's four or five, six, um, we've got you know, 12 or so more years to parent. We've got time. I didn't think it was going to be this hard, but I can withstand it. I signed up to be a parent. Well, guess what? Your sensitive child did not sign up to live miserably. So it's important that you make this a priority now, because if your child is struggling with daily meltdowns and they are over four, that means that if your child is eight, if your child is nine, 11, this is, this doesn't come back in puberty as, um, you know, as a developmentally appropriate behavior guys. Uh, then your, your child is significantly struggling and they are significantly tired and exhausted and sad. And this is important for you to prioritize now. So let's, we've talked about meltdowns, right? Being, you know, being, uh, you know, throwing body on the floor, screaming, yelling, kicking, running away, slamming doors, hitting others, um, hitting oneself, all, all of this uh, aggressive behavior. It doesn't feel good to act in a way that you know you're not supposed to act. So your child's not feeling well on a daily basis. This is important to prioritize. And then when we think about the, uh, the uh, opposite of externalized behavior, the internal behavior, life would be better off without me. Um, you know, I might as well not even try. I hate you. You don't love me. I'm a bad kid. We can see this behavior as well as shutdown behavior. Uh, not even worth it procrastination, uh, highly sensitive preteens and teens uh, might, you know, engage in homework refusal. They might not have meltdowns anymore. You might've dealt that, dealt with that with your child when they were younger, uh, but the behavior symptom uh, changes into straight up checking out just uh, on their phones, um, on, on tablets, screens, video games, TV, Netflixing, etc., And, um, not engaging in day-to-day -day relationships with family members, not telling family members when they're upset or when there's peer relationship problems going on, let alone trying to, to, uh, to get work done academically, etc. And so that's the shutdown or refusal cycle that we speak about. And typically that's more prevalent in highly sensitive teens than we see aggression, uh, though not, um, they're not mutually exclusive. The age doesn't change the behavior entirely. So when I'm describing these behaviors for, for your child, you might be seeing uh, this behavior um, at any age for your sensitive kid. And we look at frequency when we determine how frequently, uh, how problematic this issue is. If your child is having uh, these, these behavior symptoms on a daily basis, multiple times a day basis, outbursts, screaming, uh, slamming doors, breaking things, etc., on a daily basis, or even multiple times a week, that's still an emotional intensity that is scary to your child. 
And this is important because when you live in a state of fear consistently, it creates helplessness and helplessness leads to a might as well not even try. And so when we see that behavior take a trajectory downhill, uh, you can start to understand why your child's behavior might have changed, why the words coming out of their mouth might have changed. And, and it's important for you to notice that this is not the same level of problem. The problem has actually exacerbated. It's gotten worse. And uh, this is where children are, are headed when they are stuck in the meltdown cycle. It's something that we've helped parents break out of at any stage. But it's important for you to notice, no matter what, what age you're listening to this video that if or, or, or show here, if you're catching it on, us on the podcast, then it's important for you to see and, and hear uh, that this is a, needs to be a priority now because your child's capacity to quote unquote perform in the school setting, uh, I'm using that word specifically, um, it, it does not mean that your child is emotionally managing effectively in the school setting. So let's see what works uh, and what, what, what uh, this behavior is actually demonstrating, okay? Many, many children uh, who are highly sensitive are uh, demonstrating calm or collection of uh, themselves in, uh, in, in public settings because they are worried about what other people might think of them. Now, it is important for you to notice that this is an outward uh, intense level of empathy lying uh, underlying the behavior, uh, empathy, but fear-based empathy. And so it's important for you to observe that your highly sensitive child, who's much more empathetic than non-highly sensitive kids, um, is, is tapping into their empathy, but in an ineffective way. This is people-pleasing, all right? It might also show up as workaholism. So in young children, workaholism is, uh, if I'm late to school, I'm going to freak out, right? My teacher is going to be mad at me. Um, I has to be perfect. There's perfectionism going on, right? Uh, that's how workaholism develops in, in, in adulthood. We see it start in childhood. And so when we see this pattern uh, begin, children who engage in people-pleasing behaviors in, in young childhood can be much uh, more susceptible to bullying, uh, much more susceptible to be taken advantage of by their peers. And so this is, this is something to pay attention to if your child is giving away toys to make other kids happy, um, if they are choosing not to, um, not to stand up for themselves or play certain games. If you see your child is, tends to be more of a follower when at home, they tend to be more of a, a leader, or you might even think that they are more of a dictator with their siblings, uh, then there's a pretty clear disconnect and, and, and um, an imbalance of your child's personality traits. And that's why they end up going to extremes. And this is important for you to see because if your child is uh, demonstrating more meek or mild or um, inhibited personality uh, behaviors, excuse me, not personality, that's not their true personality, uh, more person, more person, interpersonal behaviors, uh, then that's something for you to notice is also a symptom of the meltdown cycle. People start to concede to other people, whether they want to or not, uh, when they feel disempowered and they don't feel like they can advocate for their needs. And so if your child is worried about getting in trouble by the teacher, um, even if the teacher is, you know, emotionally intelligent and tries to support 
the school setting in any kind of way, uh, then, we, then we have a, an issue on our hands where your child isn't, isn't uh, making pro-social decisions. They're not trying to make decisions uh, to collaborate effectively with the social environment. Um, what they're trying to do is escape a, a false sense of um, punishment. And that in and of itself means that your child is leading their life from fear. So when we see um, this experience, you might think, well, Megan, it's, it's healthy for my kid to be afraid of authority. And I have to tell you uh, that that actually is not true. <laughs> <laughs> right? What, what helps breed a healthy adult? A healthy adult needs to be able to understand the difference between leadership and authority. Uh, leadership helps somebody grow and strengthen their strengths. Authority is a top-down approach to my way or the highway. And so when, uh, when, when your child is following in lockstep, whatever the, you know, the person in charge is saying because of the of fear of getting in trouble, your child is not actually feeling supported in their individual needs and they're not feeling supported in their capacity to grow. So what happens? They stunt their growth. They stop reaching out. They stop advocating for their needs. They stop getting creative and solving their problems. And instead they only solve their problems based on the, um, least in the most conflict avoidant way. Um, and, and that means that they likely won't compromise. They will likely instead give in. And that's not a skill you want your kid to grow into, right? So uh, when we think about children who are successful in life, they know how to compromise and they know how to healthily negotiate. And uh, that's a skill set that requires creativity. Okay, You can't be creative if you're stuck in fear. And uh, the emotional experience that a child is having is not contingent upon the environment. Uh, we see highly sensitive kids who have very supportive uh, teachers, uh, very supportive coaches, etc., who are frozen in, in these experiences and then explode at home. And so it's important for you to notice uh, that if your child's in, uh, school environment is not helpful in that way, that is still not the thing that you should be focusing on changing first, okay? Obviously, ad advocating in the school setting and, and speaking about that is something we'll talk about in a different training uh, in terms of when to, when to uh, reach out and, and uh, when to advocate. But it's not the first mo method of attack in, in solving this problem. Um, so the first thing that you need to prioritize is noticing that if your child's holding it all in at school and then exploding at home, that is not skillful behavior. That is fear-based behavior and your child is living in fear all day long until they leak it out. And so the next thing that you need to be noticing is a myth that we hear so many people, professionals or other parents say, um, that really just makes me roll my eyes and, and, um, uh, get, gets me riled up, which is that your child is having meltdowns at home because they feel safe. Now, here's the important piece that, for you to know. If you are parenting in a way that's trying to support your child in, in health, healthy emotional expression, you're trying to help your child feel heard and understood, uh, you're trying to set limits that doesn't include threats or punishments, then it's likely that you've created a safe home to the best of your skill set. Uh, and, and so therefore your child should feel safe at home, right? And if your child is having meltdowns, when they are melting down, they do not feel safe. Meltdowns are not safe behavior. Think about it. If you're an adult and you chuck something at the person you love, do you feel safe? 
Does that make you feel warm and fuzzy inside and comfortable? No, it makes you feel like a piece of crap. <laughs> I mean, if you have any level of, 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 of emotional intelligence or empathy, you're going to feel like a terrible human, right? Guilt, shame, worry, concern. So then why are we telling ourselves? Why are, why are we listening to professionals who, who are saying your child is having a meltdown at home because that's their safe space? You've got to be freaking kidding me. No, your child never feels safe when they are out of control in their body, just like you. Think about having a car crash, right? The car is out of control. Do you feel safe in that moment? No, you're scared crapless. Like you are, you are literally bracing and, and you know, either zoning out or disassociating. That's not safe. That's not safe. You could be checking every single little box hypervigilant and, and full of fear and present of mind and holding your breath to survive in that car crash, right? And you might miss a lot of details. You might even black out some of the details. That's an out of control experience when you're in a, a, a vehicle, right? And so the body is a vehicle too. If you are in your own body and your body is doing things that you don't know how to control, which is what a child in a meltdown feels, then that is not a safe experience. There is no safety involved. So what is the seatbelt? What is the solution to this? The solution is you. You, as your child's parent, are your child's seatbelt. You are your child's safety standards. You are the, the now here I go into the auto industry, which is not my expertise. So my husband's not listening to this. Um, he works in the auto industry. But uh, you are the steel, right? You are the, the um, I think most cars are made out of steel. I'm going to, I should probably stop. You are the metal. You are the safety standards. You are the airbags. You are the vehicle of change for your highly sensitive child, Okay. Probably should have done some background research on the make the makings of automobiles in order to make this metaphor work for you guys, but I didn't I didn't plan what metaphor I'd use when I first got started, so forgive me. The experience of the, the metal cage that your kid is in that keeps them alive in the meltdown experience, that is the personal relationship that you have with your child. It is not their internal resources. When they are emotionally out of control, they are not remembering coping skills that somebody taught them an hour ago, two Tuesdays ago. In a skills cope class or in lunch bunch or in a therapy session. They better have already had the seatbelt buckled them in. Coping skills taught by an external uh, environment person, teacher, therapist, etc., mentor, whatever, is not an effective seatbelt for your sensitive child, whether they're having meltdowns at school or only at home or in both settings, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You are that emotional safety net. You are the seatbelt. You support your child in developing automatic seatbelts, automatic airbags in this experience. And then you teach your child how to drive. Our program for parents of sensitive teens and teens, sensitive teens go in the program together. We call it driver's ed. 
And there's a reason behind that needing to be able to drive your own car, right? And so when we think about the emotional experience of parenting a sensitive child all the way through adolescence and into young adulthood, your sensitive child needs to feel emotionally in control. Absolutely. That is absolutely necessary. But the creator of that change is not your kid because your child is reactive to the environment that they are in. And that means that they're more responsive to a change in their environment. And that environment, the highest priority environment for a child is the environment created by the parent at home. And so if your child is emotionally stressed and doesn't have a skill set and that is showing up at home in meltdowns, then that is a clear indicator that the parent-child relationship has some work to do. Now, obviously you're listening here because you want to fix that problem. There is no shame in that. I'm not here to tell you that you are a crappy parent. I would never do that. What we're here to do is notice that you're missing skills and you're likely listening to people who are telling you that the skills you're trying to teach are valid when they're not. They're not where you should be started. So um, when we think about teaching children how to manage emotional skills and, and teach coping skills to include emotion regulation or tolerating distress, those skills aren't even something that I teach parents to start to implement uh, at the beginning of the work that we do because their child doesn't have the safe foundation to trust that those skills will work in themselves as well as to trust that they will work alongside their parents' skills. And so the the work that, that you need to be doing first and foremost as a parent needs to be focusing on helping yourself feel capable as a parent and noticing how you can prevent the meltdowns in the first place. Uh, we see so many parents who are, are not even aware how much they are actually uh, unintentionally contributing to the meltdown cycle. And obviously, rule number one is uh, assuming that your kid, if they're holding it all in at school, means that they're, they've got it and they don't. Right? So we need to fix that. We need to fix the, the belief that your child is skillful at school. If they're having meltdowns at home, they're likely not skillful at school. Uh, they're likely just holding it in and uh, and then it's just exploding based on their threshold of tolerance in that day. And the important piece for you is that obviously that means that your child needs skills at school, but they're not going to be able to demonstrate those consistently with or without support, depending on the um, setting in the school or, or the professionals involved or uh, to include simply just the teachers. Um, doesn't mean your t- kid needs to have an IEP or a 504 to, to be successful in the school setting and, and changing their emotional state in a way that helps them feel comfortable. Um, the first thing that needs to be happening is that your child feels capable of doing this at home. And so if your child is not capable of demonstrating these skills at home, doesn't feel capable, they are capable, but they, if they don't feel capable, and as a result, they're not uh, demonstrating that capacity at home, uh, then this is where you need to start, Okay. Um, it's really important that you don't look at, um, uh, professional performance, which, you know, for a kid, their profession is to learn, um, and to play (laughs) and hopefully to, to, um, to play while learning and to learn through play. But, uh, that's a different story for another day in terms of how your child is, is educated. But, um, 
the emotional experience that your kid is uh, is having in the school setting just because they're quote unquote well behaved doesn't mean that uh, that they are emotionally feeling safe. Okay, um, think about it. If you're in a prison of your own um, experience, uh, it's in your best interest to um, respond to the rules and follow the rules. But does that mean that you feel safe? Right now, I'm not saying that schools are prisons for kids. Um, I'm not going to go that far. But uh, the emotional fear that somebody can can face, right? Um, you can feel, you can demonstrate being shut down and being, you know, yes, ma'aming, and um, and, and calm and, and follow directions, uh, but not be, feel, not feel emotionally capable, not feel emotionally calm. Right? Those two things don't go hand in hand. So it's important that you, as a parent. Um, especially if, if, um, if this feels new to you, uh, in terms of understanding how to develop your child in an emotionally healthy way, how to raise an emotionally healthy child, it's important they don't put those two things hand in hand. There are plenty of, um, uh, personal experiences that human beings can have where, the, where they are sh putting on a brave face, um, or a uh, put together face and, um, uh, inside they're screaming or you know, overwhelmed. Um, and I'm sure you as an adult ha have been able to, um, to relate to that experience. Right. And so clearly there's, um, there's, there's fear in, in that experience, but that's not how children, um, children benefit from, um, from learning. You can't learn, which requires curiosity if you are afraid because if you're afraid you have a one-track mind get out of danger and so that means you're going to miss opportunities which means your child is going to feel less effective because if your child is highly detail oriented which they are they're highly sensitive uh, then they are going to be uh, less likely to um, feel capable because they're no they know they're not noticing as many details as they usually do when they're having fun and creative um, and curious. And so that means that in the school setting, um, they're not living to their potential and they know it. Highly sensitive kids have a much higher likelihood of, of becoming even more um, aware, uh, personally aware. And um, that, that awareness is something that we see our clients tap into with their children all the time, um, that the inside of, of how their children are experiencing the world, uh, parents start to hear much more regularly when you break out of the meltdown cycle, you can hear your child's inner world differently um, and more thoroughly because your highly sensitive child is processing the things deeper, which means that they are going to be um, talking about their inner experience differently. When they do that, um, they're going to be more uh, demonstrating more insight and uh, in connected with you as a parent, sharing that with you. you know, I felt this way and that way and this way. Uh, when this happened at school, et cetera, versus, versus now it's just, what if I get in trouble and so-and-so did this today and can you believe it? Um, and so instead, children are telling you more about what's going on around them because they're not emotionally connected to what's going on inside them. And that's another sign that your child is not emotionally connected or regulated on a daily basis. if They're not demonstrating that insight. So um, it's important to notice that your child's not going to grow out of this behavior. It's an ingrained uh, behavior that needs to be calculatingly dismantled. 
And uh, it's important for you to notice that as a parent, you are the one who supports your child in changing that behavior. For highly sensitive children, uh, that the parent-child relationship needs to shift. So um, in, order, in order for your child to develop that skill set. So it's important uh, noticing that, that priority that, um, that, that your child is not going to grow out of this. This is a priority now. So um, the experience of breaking out of it, right? We've observed what needs to be highlighted and, ha- and then we talk about what needs to be done. So first and foremost, we talk, we, you know, we already spoke about step number one, which is observing what your child is capable of. Your child is capable of noticing not only what's around them, but what's inside them in the school setting and feeling capable driving their own car. <laughs> uh, that's true in, in childhood as well as in adolescence. Uh, noticing where everything is so that they don't feel like a car crash is impending at the end of the day. And then uh, towards the end of the day, um, being able to use skills that they may or may not have access to in the school setting, because different environment, uh, to manage their own emotional experiences and, and regulate them and communicate their needs and advocate for their needs with parents. So then parents can help them advocate with teachers if, if uh, changes need to happen in, in that uh, relationship. And so all of that's necessary, right? And then we get into um, how you teach your child. Uh, because if you are the one who's teaching your child, first and foremost, you have a bigger, you need to have a bigger vision, right? You have to shift the way that you think, which is assuming that this is okay, uh, this behavior presentation, or that this behavior is um, something your kid will grow out of. So once you've changed that, which hopefully we made some pretty significant progress on that today, uh, then we need to focus on noticing what's possible, okay? And how do children learn? Children learn through play. Play is their language and toys are their words. And so you need to be able to support your child in a playful way to accept themselves, feel capable of managing their emotions, uh, feel capable of handling their challenges, and feel capable of solving those problems consistently. And that needs to be something that you address in the whole family dynamic. So if you've got multiple children or not, Uh, it's important that the whole family is playful around emotions and communicating around emotions in a way that isn't um, uh, like a teaching example or flashcards or or any sort of quiz. Uh, You know, how'd you you feel today on a scale of one to 10? Give me a number. You know, any sort of experience like that is not going to support your child in feeling inquisitive and in feeling like you understand them. And so that experience needs to be consistent in order for your child to then consistently take feedback from you uh, in a non-shame-based way. So you need to be able to set limits, obviously. Um, The behavior that you're seeing is not safe, so your child needs to feel safe and they need to feel safe in their own bodies. So you need to support your child in making safer decisions. Um, and, And it's incredibly difficult to make a decision if you're not emotionally online, right? Just like I just uh, mentioned that with the car crash example. Um, Sensitive kids can can have a a disconnect in their presence of mind in those experiences. And it's important to notice that that means that that's not a time to be teaching your child new skills. They won't be creative and and curious in those moments. Uh, They need to have already had the seatbelt on in the first place in order to stay safe in the, in the meltdowns, uh, so that, be, so that the meltdowns can stop. And, uh, in, in addition to that, they can stop their own meltdowns. The meltdowns are shorter. The meltdowns are less intense. Uh, that requires a child's, um, own personal skill set, right? So it's not just about preventing them because preventing them, uh, re- what might require you to walk on eggshells. If you've been trying to solve this by yourself, um, 
You might be holding your breath, trying to make things easy for your kid and, and basically bubble wrap them through the whole process. And that's not what we teach here at MTC either. We want empowered parents and empowered children. Uh, and that's what keeps kids out of the meltdown cycle consistently when you're intentional in your choices and you teach your child to be intentional in theirs. And uh, doing that effectively helps your child feel proud of themselves and feel capable on a daily basis. And then as a result, they can, they can uh, contribute to the community in the way that they want to and the way that they're built to. Highly sensitive kids are the world changers uh, of, of our communities. And they can only do that if they feel capable of changing their own inner world um, and, and breaking out of that fear and anxiety and frustration and irritability. So uh, being able to, to notice how and when to set limits effectively so that your child doesn't feel like they're a bad kid um, and, and that, that nothing will ever measure up is very important as well. So it can't be punishing your kid by uh, removing privileges or using sticker charts or um, you know, navigating any sort of groundings or removals of, of uh, tablets, threats, etc. like uh, to, you know, to, to increase performance. That's something that's already used consistently in a lot of school systems um, and it doesn't work. It's one of the reasons why your kid's afraid, but it's not the thing you fix first uh, to, to change your kid's long-term behavior. So can't be using the same sort of um, tactics that are perpetuating the problem in, in an outside environment. Instead, you need to shift your inside environment so then you can notice what works for your sensitive kid and then you can advocate. So if you do see that some ineffective behavior management strategies are used in the school setting, you can say, hey, this is what's working for my kid at home. Uh, we've, you know, and, and we'd like to, to work with the teacher to, to address how the behavior in the classroom can be managed more effectively at school. And obviously that is a different kind of journey than changing the way that your child behaves at home so that you feel connected, calm, and collected together, uh, both of you, uh, you and your child. And the whole family uh, starts feeling more collected and, and connected. And that's the important piece here at MTC that we help parents achieve because this is a family dynamic issue. This is not a problem that is singularly relevant to your particular highly sensitive child. So it's something that you, um, parents, children, everybody in the whole household is contributing to. So you need to address it from a family-oriented stage. Um, because let's face it, if your child's having meltdowns and you have multiple children, even if you don't, you're already prioritizing the fires in the home with those meltdowns, right? So let's get you prioritizing the whole family together. Um, rather than and rather than thinking that you've got one broken child, your child's not broken. The strategy is definitely broken, though. You got to work. You got to work on changing the strategy. Okay, we can fix that. We can have a conversation with myself or a member of our team. We're going to break down where you're stuck. All right, you'll speak with one of my breakthrough coaches, and we'll support you in noticing how you break out of this pattern. And if that's working with us, because we see that your goals align with the goals we've helped our clients achieve. Then we'll tell you exactly how that works on the same phone call um, and so that you can get started on the same phone call. And if it's not the way that you, um, uh, if what we do is not going to work for your particular family's needs, then we'll tell you what you need to do instead. Uh, what you need to do instead might be working with a therapist with a certain evidence-based treatment because there's other environmental circumstances at play or your behavior your child's behavior is um, at, at the point, gotten to the point where it's too intense for a coaching model to be appropriate. Um, you know, those might be one or two of the same um, similar reasons that we, we notice that kids are 
um, often not a fit for what we do and the families are not a fit for what we do. But again, like I said, um, the conversation is required because in order to, to assess a whole family's needs, um, you need to talk about it and see if it's a good fit. So let's do that. Okay. We look forward to having that conversation. It is free. We are willing and able and, and looking forward to having that conversation with you because our job is to make sure that you know exactly what you need to do and how to do it quickly. We highly value efficiency here at MTC. And I can imagine that you've been trying to solve this problem quickly and have been dealing with this for quite some time. So let's break you out of it. We look forward to that uh, again and uh, have a great day. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson and we look forward to speaking to you soon.